Hi, Gemstones, and welcome to another episode of Blurg. Today we're talking about fireworks. In this episode, the flickering flames of romance between Flower Guy Floyd and human disaster Liz begin to ignite, fueled by deceit and, of course, feigned alcoholism. Lizzing! And other incendiary plot points, Jack pitches an explosive television spectacle, fireworks, in Midtown. Shouldn't be a problem there. An attempt to outmaneuver his gravelly voice, gay counterpart Devin Banks, whose morals are as quickly receding as Will Arnett's hairline, where we'll explore the importance of being Kenneth, as the Ernest Page goes wild in an Oscar-worthy performance. See what I did there? As Sydney Bristow meets Rent Boy. Later in the episode, we'll analyze Tracy's DNA, which reveals a scorching secret that he's Thomas Jefferson's ancestor. Oh my god, put on your Sunday hats because it's Tuesday and we're going to church. Let's blurg, people. What is this, Horseville? Because I am surrounded by naysayers. We are lovers. Oh, that word bums me out. Unless it's between the words meat and pizza. Live every week like a shock week. Morning. My notes? Dude, how can we be wearing the same outfit? You saw me leave the apartment this morning. I saw you put it on. I thought it looked nice. How long are you staying with me? Indefinitely. Liz, I'm waiting to be Devin Banks. He's in from L.A. Uh, Devin, this is Lemon. Hi. Hi. Love this show. Thank you. Look, I gotta go. Thanks for the tour. You guys, you're the real heroes. They get younger every year. These punks who think they can take down Jack Donaghy. You're worried about that guy? Banks is in New York for a reason, and I intend to send him back to L.A. Wow, if this turns into a showdown, you guys could settle it with a talking like this contest. So we're watching Firework. This is a hilarious episode. Anything with Devin Banks in it is a win. Julie, do you ever feel like a plastic bag floating in the wind (laughs) wanting to start again? Because that's how I felt during that entire intro. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be smoothly edited out, but I was just like, da-da, da-da, da-da. So we open up on the street and Liz is getting a hot dog where she runs into Floyd. Who I have to say, after watching Ted Lasso, I like him a lot more. I think my heart <laughs> has softened to him a little bit. That's amazing. I do think, <laughs> I like, in the that. time, I remember being very anti Jason Sudeikis um, from SNL just because he seems super bro-y, and I was just like, I hate that I'm attracted to you. But in this episode, I know, I can't, I, I know. Anyway, so Jason Sudeikis is there as Floyd, <laughs> and he's going to yeah. church on a Tuesday. But before that, she has a hot dog, and he's like, oh, you're having a hot dog? She's like, I only have it on special occasions. He's like, what's special occasion? She's like, I decided to have a hot dog. I decided to have a hot dog. I totally know that feeling. It's called self-care, sweetie. Look it up. So if you were to randomly see someone you liked, and they were going to church, probably at noon, on a Tuesday, how would you react to that? I would have followed them and sat in on their AA meeting. Like, I saw no problems. I was just like, yes, normal (laughs) behavior. (laughs) Duh, obviously. You would have followed them the first time you saw them going there? Not the first time. I What I would have done, probably, is, like, Googled that church, seen what events that they had that day, and seen if they were, like, going to church, if they were part of it. You can find a lot on the internet with un, in, like, under 10 seconds. FBI who? I don't know. Well, I would, would be done? With, I would be with her and, the, I mean, the hot dog guy. I'd be like, oh, he looks so normal. <laughs> and there he is going to church. Fuck. Yeah. But I think it's ironic, maybe not ironic, interesting that in walks Devin Banks, played by Will Arnett, who now hosts a podcast with Sean Hayes and Jason ba- Bateman because they're all sober. Yeah. So they're like in recovery now. And this is like an AA episode foreshadowing. 
Perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, who would have Maybe. guessed that three people in Hollywood would be alcoholics? <laughs> De- Devin Banks. Okay, we have to say top guest star of all time. A hundred percent. I was about to say, like, this is one of the greatest. Well, I would say Elaine Stritch is up there. Yeah, um, that's true. As Jack's mom. But this is like one of the top tier, upper level, God tier, like, cameos, for sure. And that he is the VP of West Coast News web content and theme park talent relations. Who knew? <laughs> I don't think I ever caught on to that until this time. I was like, wow. Did you? What a great title. So what that awakened in me was just like, oh my God. Um, humorous line, for sure. He obviously had something to do with casting the Six Flags guy. What was that song by the Vanga Boys? Are we going to listen to Vanga Boys for the next hours? Boom, 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 boom. A hundred percent yes. I only know the Vanga Boys that's coming and everyone is jumping. New York to, to San Francisco and into City Disco. The whistles still are turning. Yeah, the way they say turning. Ah, my God. <laughs> 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 I love it. The innocence that is shown by Kenneth in this episode, I also just adore. This there- is his most sweet adorable. Will's like, you know, Kevin Banks is like, ah, be careful, Devin. He might have your job in a couple of years. And he's like, ta, he might have yours. And then he sees a janitor. He's like, I might have his job. <laughs> he's just like, he's so unaware of being a human, which will make sense later. And he is just so innocent and so earnest, which led me to Google the importance of being earnest for my intro for about 30 seconds. And lo and behold, a lot of gay undertones, foreshadowing. I guess everything is. I think we end the season thinking that Kenneth is just celibate, right? Yeah, and I so don't. I don't imagine. Just, yeah, I think Valsel. He voluntary he celibate. He and Hazel, what's her name, never get together, really. So, no. And not after we've seen the way he kisses. No one's going to want to get together with him. But no, they just sort of co home, much as you and I will at some point. <laughs> I'm a way better kisser than Kenneth. I'll just tell you that. Right no, now. you're the Hazel Wasser name in this. What, just because she's <laughs> slutty, I'm Hazel Wasser name? <laughs> Are you doing my inside thoughts for me out loud? <laughs> yeah, I'm Amy Poehler. I'm inside you. <laughs> Creepy. So then as they're walking away, Devin is hardcore scoping out Kenneth's bod on the way out, which is hilarious. hilarious. I don't know why anybody perving on Kenneth just makes me happy. There it is. A little chapstick. I know. I do love how, like, aggressively they're like, we need to show that this character is gay. What are we going to do? We're going to have him stare at his ass for, like, three to five seconds. And then everyone will know. And then centrally apply chapstick. When Pete and Liz show up wearing the same outfit, I mean, this one is a belly laugher. Like, this episode, yeah. I had more than yes. one literal laugh out louds. Even on the third and fourth watching, you're just like, oh my God, that is hilarious. And she's like, how did this happen? Like, you saw me this morning. He's like, yeah, but it just looks so good. I just thought I'd wear it too. <laughs> What is more classic than the khaki maroon sweater situation? I wonder if that was a dicky uh, underneath. There was a full shirt. These are questions. But the fucking, I like, that's a missed opportunity for this show to have more Pete and Liz roommate situations together. Because that was a fucking blast. Do not sleep on Hornburger. He is hilarious. Hornburger is hilarious. And then the Hornburger Liz living together dynamic. It's like, I want a spinoff. Yes. And then she's like, how long are you living with me? He's like, indefinitely. Forever. Again, the kind of roommates that will be. So Devin meets Liz, and he's completely slimy and disgusting, and he's like, love the show. You guys are the real hero. (laughs) Gag-worthy. Gag-worthy. And then Jack's like, they get younger every year. I was like, where? (laughs) Like, you guys are like the same age in my mind. They're not. They're separated by like a good 20 years, but... I was going to say. 
And then Liz says, if you guys get into it, you're going to end up talking like this contest. I can't do it. <laughs> no, I Can you do the Batman voice? I can't do it. I tried to do it when prepping yesterday because I was like, be excited to do this episode. And I threw my throat out <laughs> doing it. So it's resting. <laughs> it's gone forever. My trachea just like jumped out and was like, we're not doing this again. Never. So he's like, Banks is no slouch. He came up with the concept of a 10-second internet sitcom. Flash to making it happen. He, who knew that he was like the inventor of Quibi? Um, rest in peace. We are sharing a brain. Our minds. We're at the exact same thing. The two, the couple that's in there are Kay Cannon and um, the other guy. And they're both writers on the show. Yeah. And the, he, the guy is crap. Dave Sewell or something. And he and Bob Bayer are the showrunners for New Girl. So it's all people that we love. Aww. Jack is like, I'm sure he's here to dazzle the old men with his webisode ideas, which is also what I call my penis. And he's like, but I have ideas too. And Jack has fireworks. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. I have to tell you guys something. I have never liked fireworks. I don't get it. I don't like it. It doesn't do anything for me. So the thought that there are going to be some big old cowboy-shaped fireworks really just does not get me going in any way. I'm with Liz. That doesn't work. We need to think of something bigger. Bigger than fireworks? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. (laughs) I was vacationing with friends in Chicago during the 4th of July, and something happened, but nobody knew what. But there's like a wave of panic as we're all trying to leave, and nobody can get a cab, and we can't get to the buses. And I still to this day don't know what happened, but being with two small children as like a mob of people are traveling thousands of them. I was like, Oh yeah, this is the end of me and crowds and the end of me. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, grab the children. <laughs> <laughs> you turn into every hysterical wife and like a final days movie, apocalyptic scenario like that. So we go to the <laughs> yes. writer's room where there are female writers I've never seen before. Frank is saying we should do a sketch about alien abduction. And this random woman says a Lamaze class in Roswell Lamaswell, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Watching this show with the closed captioning while taking notes. I mean, it's like there are gifts hidden all over. I never saw before. <laughs> Lamaswell, that's funny. <laughs> no, it's legitimately had- funny. No, I'm sorry. Like I'm laughing, and I thought that was enough to say that it was funny. But no, I do agree that it is funny. <laughs> well, then I was like, now you talk. So yeah, perhaps this is why they never introduced us to any of the writers. So when that incognito serving man was there, we wouldn't question it because he's there. He pitches something about Clinton eating a hamburger, which is so 1992. And then he's like, I'm not a comedy writer. You've been served in a in a paternity suit where Tracy is being questioned as the potential father for this kid, which is impossible because he never got fully out of the car and she never got fully out of her toll booth. <laughs> Hilarious. Frank's wearing his mashed potatoes hat. I just love it. I love it all. And Frank says to him, like, why are you wearing those weird hat and glasses? Which is hilarious because Frank's wearing weird hat and glasses. Yeah. <laughs> the layers of this show. It's like an onion. You know, I Keep peeling it that. until you're crying over the thing, right? Just like marriage. No, exactly. There's so many onions within this episode. It's like, Shrek, where are you at? So then Jack and Liz are on a walk and talk. Jack's super jazzed about the fireworks. He's like, it's a spectacular. It's what the people want. The Romans knew it. Louis Couture knew it, which I was like, what? Oh, Louis the 14th saying it fancy pants. Good for you. Mm. And Wolfowitz knows it. Who was the deputy secretary of defense under Cheney, who will arrive in a later episode to assault Jack sexually. And we're okay with it. (laughs) Jonathan's been spying on Devin. 
and it turns out he's gay, which makes him even more powerful than he thought. As he's pinned poor Ken up against the wall, Kenneth up against the wall. I know. It's like, and what, what are they talking? Do you play for? <laughs> oh, it's it's not really a team. It's just like a bunch of guys getting together to do gymnastics. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then Jack immediately starts using Kenneth as sexual warfare, asking him of many questions. Kenneth, do you ever use bronzer? Because <laughs> we're gonna shellack you up and send you straight into that little lion's den. And we meet with Dr. Spaceman again. Now, my hatred for him is still strong. I don't... Well, I mean, I get why you can hate, like, the actual character without realizing it's a satire. Like, is... What about it do you not like? Like, what he's saying is obviously very offensive in a satirical way, but... Okay, so... Yeah, the whole bit. So the whole, okay, the whole so, bit. So all of it, yeah, okay. He's not... Okay, once again, he's not attractive. What he's saying is not funny. He's... His character is an idiot, which I don't enjoy. See, I don't mind Dr. Spichemin. We know. Okay. Be <laughs> I'm just here to provide differing opinions, all right? And then he says, how apropos to 2020, science can be whatever we want it to be. As laughter turns to tears. <laughs> I mean, I did, and perhaps this is embarrassing to admit, in present company, but I did laugh when he was like, it's crazy to think we used to settle questions of paternity by dunking a woman in water until she admitted <laughs> she made it all up. A different the time, 60s. the 60s. Yes. <laughs> it reminded me so much of the Parks and Rec where they had that mural of the guy getting burned at the stake in the 70s <laughs> in a supermarket parking lot. <laughs> so good. So now Liz is lamenting about what the hell is going on with her new flower boyfriend. He was going to church in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. What does this mean? And Pete's like... Maybe he's born again. <laughs> Great, we can spend our Saturday afternoons in Central Park trying to save gay rollerbladers. That's not loud laugh, for sure. Um, and, like, you got to save the gay rollerbladers. Like, the balance in the gay community is not great, so they're going to take a tumble. Be ready with some Band-Aids and some Crisco. So they said, like, wouldn't it be great if when you first met somebody, they're like, hey, here are all the weird things about me. What would your weird things, what would you need to say up front? Fucking hell. I, God, how much time do you have? I do often, like, ju- I do treat dates this way where I will talk about like literally all my issues in sort of a comedic fashion, which comes up later when Jack is like, God, I love whatever childhood drama you experience to make you use humor as a coping mechanism. It's like it me. Um, but no, I do do that. Day, so it's just like, okay, so here's my stuff. Here's what's going on. And I say it in a transparent way. Cause like you have to find out from the first date if it's going to go anywhere. And I like to use it as just sort of like banter. What about you? What's your weird, embarrassing stuff? Oh, I guess I didn't say any of my weird, embarrassing stuff. I just like, um, <laughs> just like I just um, say. I it. don't answer questions. I ramble on. Um. <laughs> I don't let you talk at all. I will pay for the meal though because I feel awkward if anyone else does. Um, my weird stuff. I guess like I still live with my parents. I don't have a license <laughs> or drive You're a anywhere. Virgin who can't drive. I am a Virgo who can't drive, <laughs> and I've. Been a card-carrying member of the Obsessive Compulsive Club since I was nine years old. And um, I routinely will go through mental breaks. So, and I watch 30 Rock Chronically and I have a podcast about it. So I think that's all my, that's all my baggage. <laughs> what about you, Julie? I was going to turn that away. Um, you know, I told you I went on that one date and within 30 minutes he'd shown me his Confederate flag and gun. So I don't even think I got to talk about myself at all. Um, I feel like you wouldn't. Like, I feel like you're very much an active listener who's inquiring about oh, someone, I get so to know them. Active listener. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a very nice deflection technique. I'm fantastic at it. Tell me at more. At the end of the date, I can tell you everything there is to know about you. And what do you know about me? Nothing. Before we go back from um, all the weird stuff, that segment, um, we skipped over my favorite line of that whole interaction. Besides, like, the gay rollerbladers. That was peak. That was meant. When Pete was just like, well, I mean, it probably means he murdered someone and found God while he was in jail. That's the only possible explanation. <laughs> like, he's atoning for a prison murder. Duh. <laughs> So Kenneth is telling Devin about all his great <laughs> ideas for TV. Yes. He's got an idea for a show about a teacher named Art, and it's called Art School. <laughs> and then he's got one about a Jewish guy who opens an ice cream parlor called Ice Cream Cohen. <laughs> and then two, one about two cops, one named Cash, and the other one named Carrie. But he doesn't have a name for that one yet. It's so hard to come so up with names. He's so, he is so cute, adorable, earnest, honest, just like there and so game it's just like he doesn't know what's happening but he's there for it he reminds me of a little dog that's just like i don't know why we're here but i'm having fun my tail's a wagon Devin offers him a drink champagne vodka absinthe (laughs) you want to go real crazy (laughs) do you want to hallucinate wildly for the next six hours and then more ludicrous than that kenneth asks for fruit punch and he has it i've never seen fruit punch at a hotel mini bar just gonna say or absinthe for that reason (laughs) i mean he obviously brought it from home what fruit doesn't have punch it's just like further cementing the fact that devin banks is gay and therefore more powerful and dangerous so then devin says i'm gonna go slip into something more comfortable and sweet little kenneth says like in the movie (laughs) the cutest line and there have been so many fucking cute lines that was fucking oh my god then devin comes out in a very frightening to me Arousing to you. Short, 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 short. I don't know that that's arousing to anyone. You said you were looking for nuts and berries and stuff. Okay, it was fine. I didn't mind it. And then when he's feeding him the juice, I found that to be an assault. Well, I do love that they kind of was like, fruit punch, please. And he hands him fruit punch and bourbon. The perfect combination. I was just like, go crazy for it. Um, (laughs) And then Kenneth pulls out the uh, list of probing questions that Jax has tasked him to ask, just like very canned. So what are the projects you are working on near slash long-term? Oh my, that's an awful (laughs) short rope. Uh, And then when he's like, I had to cut it down myself, like that is perfectly hemmed. He had not only cut it down himself, then he perfectly sewed it on. Um, And then, you know, he's shooting the breeze saying, you know, when I was in a page, uh, we would give each other a hand, which immediately, me too sirens coming all throughout the house. Can you give me a hand, Kenneth? Uh, And then Kenneth, again, is just like, for a fellow page, anything. And then we realize Devin Banks has turned the tables, oh my, how the turntables, and is now pumping Kenneth for information and maybe other things. (laughs) And yay, Dr. Spaceman arrives. Maybe I'll take this You are not the father of that child. (laughs) Frank's hat has changed now from mashed potatoes into beef ravioli. (laughs) Says you are a descendant of our third president. He's like Jasper Buckleman. <laughs> you know? So of course I had to look up Jasper Buckleman, who is not a real person. Sure, but they do have a Twitter account. Amazing. Well, you missed the first line, which I found hilarious. Perhaps I'm the only one in the universe, certainly in this room. But when he was like, I have the results of your DNA test. Now, I'm very serious about doctor-patient confidentiality, so I'm going to have to ask that we all keep this between us four. See, see, these are dad jokes that are not funny. It's a waste of time. <laughs> I do not like Dr. Spaceman. All right, I will keep all my doctors mm-hmm. bechemin thoughts to saying, myself. Now, Rachel I mean, Dratch, feel free to highlight. There's probably someone out there that wants to hear it. <laughs> so he is related to the third president, Thomas Jefferson. That guy was into black chicks. Genetically, you're mostly white, but 
he can't be white because of the difference. His all his humor is about the difference between black and white. Although the reveal was well done, where he's doing his sort of stand-up comedy a la Jerry Springer and the intro to every Seinfeld. Um, Jerry Seinfeld. What I said. Yeah. Jerry Springer, Springer he was, our illustrious mayor who played a prostitute with a check. Um, and he's like, that's ridiculous. I can't be white. And then he goes under this whole thing about the differences in uh, black people and white people dialing phones. <laughs> and he's just like, I'd love to I hear you go. recreate it. Like, I'd love to hear you beep, boop, beep, boop. boop. That's the white people one. <laughs> and then he's like, I got to call my wife. And he goes, boop, 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 boop. Ah! Oh. <laughs> I've been white this whole time and I didn't know. <laughs> Liz, I need the rules. The last time I drank, I ended up doing a man on the street commercial for Tarzan on ice. It was awesome! I mean, he was playing on skates, and a little monkey was fighting. I want to see it again! Yikes. Yeah, and I didn't even see it. Um, so now we've got the deep voice face off. Yes. He enters his office. Jack enters his office, and Devin's sitting and sipping some brown beverage. He's like, "Let's the be honest." The level I'll of details first. that you have is insane. When you said we share the same brain, I was like, "No, we don't," because <laughs> I watched this once and wrote an intro, and you know who Jasper Buckleman is. I like to research. I know, and I fucking love that. I love you. So I'm gonna do the Devin part, and then you do the Jack part. Oh, uh, my trachea is not ready. Yeah, but let's do it. <laughs> let's be honest. I'll go first. I'm gay, and I want your job. Devin, I'm straighter than you are gay. And I leave particles of guys like you in my wind. I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> you should be. Let's see how it all plays out in the meeting. <laughs> a little slim, slim waisted beauty in a page jacket told me you have nothing. You're going down. No, Devin. I don't do that. And see. <laughs> That was we, we went through so many different levels of like, we went from like have a cold in the morning to have been working in the mines for 30 years. Slim waisted beauty in a page jacket. That's some beautiful writing right there. <laughs> Just snatched for the gods is his waist. Yes. So now the poor hot dog vendor is worried about Liz's <laughs> intake and has like printed out a, a, an, a, come on, Julie. He's an article, an article on, on sodium, sodium <laughs> problems. And she's like, fine, but I'm going to turn you into the Fox News problem solvers. <laughs> it is sometimes very fun when she slips into her Karen moments and she's just like, I will be reporting you for a minor inconvenience that's barely affected my day. So now Floyd goes into church. They give each other looks like, oh God, what the hell's wrong with him? What is this Bible study? She decides to follow him. Terrible idea. But fucking hilarious. Floyd's super excited. He's like, I didn't know you came here. She's like, yeah, my parents used to make me come here all the time. <laughs> He's like, you're doing the right thing. Welcome back. And then she has a moment when she initially realizes that it is AA, where she walks out and she has... Well, when he says, hi, I'm Floyd and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> so she didn't surmise so much as it was shouted at her. Okay, I'll give you that one. And then Liz is like, hi, Floyd, and starts to skedaddle. And then he's like... You know, it's been four years since my last drink, but I just broke up with my girlfriend, so I guess today I'll be talking about my issues with women and trust. And then Liz immediately turns around and is like, I want to go to there. Well, she puts it out perfectly. I don't know if you've ever been to an open AA meeting or a closed one. I've been to many open AA meetings, and it's true. It is just like sitting in on someone's therapy session. Somebody who can't like talk to you about anything normal can like spill their guts and their deepest, darkest secrets and... You can't bring it up to them and you just sit and take it in. And if you're a codependent, active listener, as I am, just fills that bucket. All that bucket is full. 
emotions. Mm. And then you like, I am an emotional vampire. No question. Anyway, she's talking to Pete about horrible, horrible, horrible behavior that she's done. I love the fucking cuts in this episode. So this was directed by Beth McCarthy Miller. And Tina Fey is the main writing credit, and then Dave Finkel and Brett Bayer. And masterful, the way it's just, like, immediately cuts from that to, you stayed? The transitions of this and the reveals are so fucking good. Like, Laugh Riot, so well-constructed, amazing. I fucking die, dream, live. But this is a Julie Sunderland slash Tina Fey moment. I just feel like I've known him forever now. You know I mean? His father was awful, and he told me the story about trying to get his French toast for his mom when he was a kid, and he started crying. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> to which Pete is I'm like, with full crazy eyes, Liz, what, 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 what is your plan here? What are you going to do? You're going to fake being an alcoholic for the rest of your life? I don't know. It's one day at a time, Pete, okay? I'm going to take it one day at a time. <laughs> so fucking funny. Uh, I know him now. He's part of me. I've drank in the bucket of his emotional baggage and Moy. I was going to say boy was it moist, but then I tried, then I was like, no. Yeah. So it's, um, now we're on Kenneth and Jack and he's like, tell me all about it. He's like, the curtain's open <laughs> on a chorus line dream of dancing. He's <laughs> like, no. It's like, I don't want to hear about chorus line, which I sent you to. I want to hear about the Devon Bank situation. Um, and then <laughs> Kenneth didn't get any useful information, um, to which Jack responds, you are the worst gay bait ever, because all he said was, sir, I'm sorry, I had to keep talking just to keep him from putting my fingers in his... From, from, I'll do it again. I'm sorry, sir, I just had to keep him... You do it. <laughs> you just missed my favorite line where he's like, I'm sorry, sir, I had to keep talking just to stop him from putting his fingers in my mouth, which you can totally picture. <laughs> And to like he doesn't even seem bothered by it. He's just like, this is the tactic I had to had to use. He's a page. He just does his job. Kenneth, you're the worst gay bait ever, like you said. And he's like, you used me? He's like, for television, Kenneth. I humiliated you for television. And now he's all in. It's like, if it's for fucking television, I will do everything. It's like, it's just like what's on What's Happening when that man used rerun to bootleg that Doobie Brothers concert. And Jack's like, exactly. So he's going to humiliate him again. I've got a very important meeting coming up and Banks cannot be there. He's like, and you want me to kill him? All in. He is all, if it's for television, I will do whatever the fuck you need. It's like, I will murder him. He's like, no, I just need to murder another part of him. Um... Jack's like, no, I need you to distract him, and you have to make sure he doesn't leave his hotel room tomorrow morning for this big meeting. And Kenneth is just like, fuck yeah. Just like Sydney Bristow on Alias, I'll use my sexuality as a weapon. He and Jenna, this would have been a lovely moment for them, because they also use their sexuality tactically. And he's and then under his breath, he says, to the wig shop! <laughs> under his breath as he shouts it. <laughs> Did he shout? I thought I was quiet. And then he doesn't wear a wig. Which is, I mean, that could be a wig the whole time. Maybe he just needed to spruce up his existing wig. Jack asks Liz if she's been working on it, getting ready for the meeting at 8 a.m. on Thursday, and she's like, yeah, I've been working on it all week. And then he says, the best I don't know what happened in your life that caused you to develop a sense of humor as a coping mechanism. Maybe it was some sort of a bracer correcting who you were during childhood, but in any case, I'm glad you're on my team. And it was so fucking wholesome the way he said it. He was just like, something happened to you, and I'm glad. Thank you. Um, so now Tracy, we cut to Tracy talking to Frank because he can't do this sketch because a white dude's playing a criminal and that's just bad stereotyping and a negative portrayal of his people. Tufer's like, Tracy, you're not white. And that <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. There's been a black man inside of me for a long time, which been there. And now there's a white guy in there too. It's like an audience for a Bobby McFerrin concert in there. Not, not a timeless reference. No, it is not, unfortunately. Yikes. So Tracy says, you should be honored to be a descendant, or excuse me, Tufer says, Tracy, you should be honored to be a descendant of Thomas Jefferson. Tracy's like, of course you'd say that. You wish you were white. 
And then we get into Tufer, who for some reason has like his great, 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 great grandfather who's shaking hands with who he thinks is Ulysses S. Grant, but is actually Robert E. Lee, the leader of the Confederate Army. Um, Frank is overjoyed. Dude, your relative fought for the South. <laughs> You're related to a black Confederate officer. That's messed up. You think these other black guys are his prisoners or what? You're like, oh, God, Tufer. So now Pete and Liz are trying to save Fiberworks Day. They're like, maybe there's a holiday coming up. What's left in April? Arbor Day, the Boston Marathon, and Hitler's birthday. <laughs> so anyway, Floyd comes in and is like, hey, Liz, can I talk to you for a sec? Um, and, you know, obviously very apologetic that he's doing it at work, but he wanted to make sure that uh, she was okay because she missed the meeting. And um, Liz is like, no, I'm, I'm better than okay. You're in my presence. So, like, we're doing great. And Floyd's like, well, you know, I just wanted to offer my support. If you never need anyone to talk to, I'd be more than happy to take you out for coffee as a sort of like a supportive AA thing. And she's like, do you have time now? <laughs> and then as she's leaving, uh, Pete tries to pull her back. And she's just like, no, 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 I'm doing this. The I'm whole fucking time doing she's this. like, no. He's like, no, no, no. And she's like, yes, yes, a hundred percent yes. Yeah. <laughs> this relationship's going to work out great. So now we <laughs> flash back to like a Maury Povich episode, which God, Maury Povich. The downfall of humanity. All right, Tracy, I have the DNA results right here. Are you ready to find out who your biological father is? He thinks he is, but then when, um, what's his name, Jack comes out as Thomas Jefferson, I don't think any of us are truly ready for that. This whole scene is a lot for me. He's like, no, I hate you, Thomas Jefferson. I don't know who I am anymore. You can't be my father. And Sally Hemings being like, hey, Maury, he's a dog. He's a dog and a liar was a lot. That was a lot and rough. Um... This whole scene is a lot. It's a lot and rough. Uh, but the ending line was fun when he was like, as Thomas Jefferson, and may the force be with you always. Because in the machinations of Tracy's mind, obviously that's something Thomas Jefferson would absolutely say. So then we... So Liz and yeah. Floyd are on a non-date. And they bond over the amount of defecation that one pigeon did. As per usual, as most do, that's our meat cute, you know, a pigeon had diarrhea, and we're going to dwell on it. I thought it was vomiting. Um, I've never seen so much come out of one pigeon. I, I guess I, we assume different orifices. It's like, yeah, I think it might've been sick or maybe the little guy ate a cigarette or something. So. I didn't know that. Can birds vomit? <laughs> I learned so much from you. So Liz invites him over. You want to come over? My friend Pete's staying with me and we've decided we're going to do this thing every night. We watch one of the AFI top 100 movies. But they only have <laughs> Star gonna... Wars and Tootsie. He's like, I'm going to come, but only because your friend is there. Otherwise, it'd be too tempting for this to turn into, like, a real date. I mean, they're obviously into each other. And then Liz is just like, well, this is, like, one of those fake rules. Like, when they say don't walk between subway cars, but all the cool kids do it anyway because they're cool and they can do what they want. It's like, fuck that. Liz, I need the rules. The last time I drank, I ended up doing a Man on the Street commercial for Tazan on Ice. And I'd never even seen it. It was so fucking <laughs> funny. So fucking funny. <laughs> Just at- so it's a real thing. I looked up Tarzan on ice. It really existed. I thought you meant Jason Sudeikis actually doing that. I was like, send me the footage immediately. Because <laughs> the fictionalized version was absolutely hilarious. I mean, he was swinging on skates and the little monkey was funny. I want to see it again. And I didn't see it. I never saw it. <laughs> Zero in on Devin Banks, who's doing what? Karate! 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 In the tiny little robe. Yeah, that's when I was like freeze framing. I was just like, is this going to be like that old Tom Cruise movie where you can pause and you, you get to see the good stuff? No, just me. We need more gay men on this <laughs> podcast. Because <Just> <laughs> I feel lost in a drift. So Kenneth shows up and he's all feeling his oats. And wearing mascara. And jaunty in his step. 
Is he's he? wearing mascara and it's fucking amazing. Like that's his way of saying the city Bristow was to Five like was dying the entire fucking time. And then he um he's like, Kenneth, what are you doing here? He's like, Well, I was in the neighborhood. <laughs> Do you want me to dance for you? Which is a recurring oh. theme throughout this um series where it's just like dance for me. Do you want to dance for me? It always shows up. Liz has danced for people, Jenna's danced for people, now Kenneth is dancing for people. I wouldn't call it dancing so much as touching random crab objects. Walk. Crab, crab walk, walk for, for me. me. Yeah. Do the worm. <laughs> touch your belt buckle. Touch, touch, Ooh, the, touch, peacock. touch the peacock. Yeah, no. So <laughs> the closed captioning says the song is Brick House from the Commodores, which it is not. <laughs> What's he dancing to? Just some random no pay. Oh, sure, 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 sure. But it's seven fifty two. Isn't the meeting at eight? So we already would have missed it. I mean, I'm just saying, unless his hotel is in the building, he doesn't have pants on yet. Maybe he's going to the meeting like that. The more gay you are, the more powerful. It's a power. It's a power move for sure. Show up pantsless. Yeah, I'm listening. (laughs) And then if they weren't drinking, Liz and those guys just stayed up all night watching Tootsie again and again and again. I mean, what's interesting is, like, you can have fun before alcohol is introduced into your life. And then once it is, there's no way back. Perhaps I should visit these meetings. I would probably watch Tootsie till, like, 11 and then go to bed. I don't know that I would oversleep on the couch. Well, when you're with someone that you're attracted to, it's like you want to keep the moment going. So you don't want to go to bed. It's been so long, I forgot. You're right. Good call. Hormones. So in the morning, Jack's looking for Lemon. They can't find her. And then we go to Liz's apartment where she and Floyd are adorably waking up together and it, her legs fell asleep. And they but obviously we do the, <laughs> ideally, in the best day, you want to not be able to walk in them for different reasons. But I do appreciate how they're just like, oh, this is like a cute thing. I fell asleep. And she immediately just like can't walk at all. She's like, pins and fucking needles. My legs are asleep. The super cute thing in the movies is actually quite painful in reality. Except that she gets to put her arms around him and he's like carrying her around. Well, he's like walk it off, scarecrow. Loved it. <laughs> Fucking loved it. So he they talk about Tootsie being a very well crafted movie, and she's like, Yeah, they use it in screenplay courses. But like over hushed tones, they're having like a romantic conversation about Tootsie and then just like, Yeah, no, it's it's, you know, well regarded within cinematic communities. So <laughs> sexy. He's like, and then he comes back to reality. I'd love to do this again sometime, but I don't think it's a good idea. Pulls the ripcord, and then the ripcord of Liz is crazy and is also pulled. She fully deflates and becomes entirely unhinged, but honest. And was like, Floyd, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I lied, and I followed you to the church because I have a crush on you, and um, I let you think that I belong there. He is reasonably annoyed with what? And she's like, I know it makes you seem like a nut log <laughs> and Anne crazy. I did not. But is there any way you could see past that? I did not. <laughs> I did not know about Anne Hayes. Like I knew she dated um, Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen. and everyone made fun of her for some reason for that. I did not realize that she grew up in a cult and had an alternate personality. But that wasn't it. I mean, yes, that's true. But at one point, she is found wandering around maybe Topanga Canyon. Runyon Cannon, knocking on people's doors, shoeless, talking about she's an alien, speaking in another language. Yikes. And Liz is right. She went full Anne Hage crazy. That's a crazy thing to do. Do I support it? No. Would I have done it? Probably. And then he's like, I said stuff in there my best friends don't know. It's supposed to be a safe place, which is true. Yeah. It's extremely not okay that you did this. Yeah, no. I mean, every right to be angry, for sure. (laughs) Good good responses. And then Floyd... (laughs) 
Uh, Liz is like, well, I have to go because she missed the meeting with Jack Donaghy. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be more. And he's like, I feel more confused and betrayed than those people that work with Tootsie. Probably true. <laughs> so, so then Liz just doesn't leave because he said he's leaving. Well, so we later see that Liz calls Jack, but it's too late because he's in the middle of the meeting. He's not ready. Devin Banks is like, well, I'm going to take charge. And I've decided to create... Um, the future of entertainment, which is celebrity snuff celebrity content snuff. made exclusively yeah. for your mobile phone. And if it's Andy Cohen first episode, Julie's in. A hundred percent she is. It's Quibi again. <laughs> Except with Now what's that? Murder. MC Light just murdered Danny Bonaducci. Oh, thanks, phone. <laughs> I can't see anybody being sad about that. Um, not at all. Uh, and then Jack, in true Jack form... Gets on his full Queen Latifah grandstand, which will come up in a later episode, and just harkens back to the golden era of television. He's going to make things big, and that's why he gives you the Rockefeller Center salute to fireworks. Um, And then the dude is 100% in, and he's like, cowboy hats? You want cowboy hats? I see you. Let's make cowboy hats. That's all they want. That's all these rich corporate men want, cowboy hats and lights. But now's my favorite part because Jack turns into a 15-year-old girl and I love when he does this. Like, Liz Lemon's on the phone. He's like, don't bother coming in, Lemon. You're off the project. I'll do it without you. <laughs> She's like, I'm so sorry. I told you about the flower guy. He's like, I don't have time for this. You've made your priorities clear. I hope he's worth it. I'm 15. I did that last week. So. Frank's hat, by the way, now says Atomic Super Kick. <laughs> Speaking of Frank, he is now a historical genius and unearthed a biography on Tufer's ancestor entitled... Confederate monster, the Tobias Spurlock disaster. <laughs> Love it. Yo, Tupac, how you doing? He's like, not good. The barn that John Wilkes put in belonged to Tobias Spurlock. Oh. Tracy's on a high, though, because Dream Jefferson told him some amazing stuff, and it's not about who you were, it's about who you are right now. And then Frank's like, no, no, no. You need to give in to Tufer. You need to give in to your heritage and kill Tracy. I need to produce some content for Celebrity Snuff by Devin Banks. And Tracy says, let me shoot something up with you. I came in a movie idea about all of this, and I want you to write it. It's the story of Thomas Jefferson. Only we'll do it like Norbit, where I play all the parts. Which is actually hilarious, but it's not a comedy. It's a drama. It's a drama. <laughs> oh, boy. Then we fall into Liz's soliloquy about what's wrong with her, which is almost as long as Nick's. I was going to say, it's like this does, you know, bring back some memories of 20 minutes ago when I said <laughs> similar things. Which was your favorite thing? that? Because she obviously goes on a whole diatribe. Which was your favorite moment from this moment? I mean, all of them. The guys about, cl- the thing about clown college, I didn't see that coming. Pooping in your pants at a country stakes all you can eat and then not leaving until they give you more shrimp. <laughs> it's pretty good. The date on the cousin, a callback. The 80% chance in the next election I'm going to lie to my friends about voting for Barack Obama. That was too much for me. And I was like, I can't, I can't. And this time... In this climate, honey, no, not about it. You say who you're voting honey, for. Oh, oh honey, honey, oh, honey, the future of democracy is at stake. Oh, honey. Uh, and then Floyd, because he's in recovery and is such a great guy, is like, you know, Liz, the Roomba is a nice, quiet alternative to the vacuum. Because she can't listen. She never vacuums her house, not because of laziness, but because her mom used to put on the vacuum to disguise her dad and her fighting. Liz had revealed that she had a crush on Gopher from The Love Boat, and now Floyd says he also has a crush on Gopher, but it's the one from Caddyshack. And she says, oh, that makes sense, because he's a really good dancer. Um, and then we cut down to the main event, obviously, this whole thing. We've been waiting for fireworks, we've been listening to Katy Perry's firework, we've been ready for them, and we're doing what every sensible human should do, watching them on t- TV momentarily, and then flipping to the next channel. 
Um, so Al Roker presents the Rockefeller Center Salute to Fireworks, um, which is three full hours of fireworks in Midtown on a day that's not 4th of July, to which Liz astutely says, oh boy, that's going to scare a lot of people. Um, and it does. The mayor phones Jack Donaghy, and one of the attendants is just like, shut it down, shut it down. And then Liz is like, oh boy, the cowboy hat. Well, I have to say overall, I love this episode. I love any episode with Devin Banks. I thought it was really funny. The subplot about Tracy, I could have done without, but for the most part, loved it. I, the entire thing was just so well executed. Even the moments that could have become cringeworthy, I feel like were just so well threaded into the rest of the episode with the cuts and the humor, and they just they pulled it out of the bag. All the fucking tricks, and they were beautifully executed. It was a fun-ass time. Should we go to Gemstones? Because this is going to get a lot for me. This, let's do it. We're going to go to the go chat. Go to the chat, y'all. Should we, have a, should we have a song for that? Bring it to the chat now. The chat now. Bring it to the chat now. The chat now. Hit it. Okay, we're all in the 90s. Emma is Emma just like is the, the lowest of all time. She's in a low place, every I guess. Every single time, it's Emma. <laughs> really, I think every time Nick is the highest, I'm the middle, and you are the lowest. I swear I like this show. <laughs> so 90s. Well, you gave it in the 90s, so that's pretty 93 is, yeah. Great. I know. It was a great episode. 96 for Julie and then 98 for me. I gave it a 98 because this is one of the ones where like after I watched it, I immediately rewatched it. And not because I do this podcast because obviously I don't research, but I was just like, fuck yeah, that was a fun ass time. So good. You could not ask for more, I don't think. No, and that's why I don't understand why there are four and seven gemstones missing from both of you respectively. (laughs) It's only season one. So we don't have to pace ourselves. It's not a marathon. There are better episodes to come. I have to leave room for other episodes. Whatever. That's fine. The 96 is still respectable. Yes. Yeah, 96, 96 is, is great. Yeah, I feel <laughs> pretty great about that. I don't think anyone would be sad with the 96. We have, we have fun. This is fun. This episode was fun. I have some questions about your rating, but we each have our own opinions, and I'm learning to be okay with it. And we're going to have some more <laughs> opinions next episode with The Corporate Crush, and we hope you join us for that one, too. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Blurg is a project of Teen Takes, a.k.a. Nick Cotter, Julie Sunderland, and Emma Cotter. With the invaluable sound editing help from Phil Cotter and Frank. (laughs) The awesome toenails on the wood floor from Frank. (laughs) We love you, Frank.